Welcome to What the If. Philip here. This is part two of our combo episode we did with the incredible long running science podcast This Week in Science with Dr. Kiki, Blair, and Justin. Part one is the news portion of that show. If you haven't listened to that, you can do so now or afterwards. It's up to you, it's your universe. One of the stories from last week is really weird, and that's the one that becomes the source for our if coming up now. And we're back. You're listening to This Week in Science. We are back, and it is time for that part of the show that we like to call This Week in What Has Science Done for Me? <laughs> so, I'm putting you on the spot here, Philip. Yes. What has science, oh, the, what has science done for me? What has science done for you lately? Um, science flew me a lot. Flew me. <laughs> I speak English. Um, I flew. I've been flying a lot, and whenever I do, I never fail to appreciate the science involved in making that happen. And there is so much. Yes. Yep. So is I have. I, it, it's the it's the thrust, the lift. Bernoulli's principle is at play, but really it's those big, bad jet engines. Yes. Actually, you know what? Okay. So, so that was, that was the lighthearted one. I will say, uh, on, on a, on a deeper note, um, I've had, uh, on, mul on different sides of friends and family and on different coasts, uh, people I've known have become ill. And, uh, not like the flu, but like more serious things. And I was actually just talking to a friend of mine, um, whose wife is, is sick currently. And, uh, he has a blog where he writes, uh, actually there's a site called Caring Bridge, which I hadn't known about before, but, uh, caretakers can give, you know, uh, updates and things like that. And you can communicate. It's like a private social media thing. And, um, mm -hmm. He loves science. He, actually, we, we are very similar. We grew up together. We even have the same birthday. Um, so we're both science nerds, and uh, neither are scientists by trade. But naturally, as happens, you get thrown into some medical situation, and suddenly you're learning an enormous amount. And then he's reporting. He's also He has been a reporter and is an excellent writer and has been writing this blog. And so I've been reading like all this medical stuff, which I had no knowledge of before. And... Um, it's very calming uh, in two ways. One is that, um, as Merlin says to King Arthur in The Once and Future King, if you are sad or worrying or, you know, stressed out, uh, learn something. Learning something is a foolproof way to feel better. Never yes. fails. And I always thought that was a beautiful thing. And he's telling that to Arthur when Arthur is a young boy. And uh, the... It's it's uh, calming in many different ways. One of which, when you talk about what has science done for me, is the notion that there are all these people that all these people have 
done all of this work to generate all this understanding. And it's always somewhat limited. It's never as enough as you would really love. But uh, um, to know there's all these people doing all these different things is, is an incredible thing. Um, and then just learning science. I've always found this. Actually learning it makes you feel better and uh, more empowered, should we say, in the world. It does make me feel better, too. Yeah. yeah. It's a good reminder. Thank science you. heals. <laughs> <laughs> Science heals. Matt, we uh, had you I on did, the show. I, I don't I don't mean to throw too much shade on that, but um throw I shade also, on science. I've heard, I have heard I have heard that the 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 biggest difference between an optimist and a pessimist is, is that the pessimist has more knowledge. <laughs> Oh, we can talk more about that in the after show, but I have have a lot of rebuttal to that. We can after show that for sure. I, I, I I do feel there was also something being not neither optimist nor pessimist. <laughs> the middle of the it's road. It's more about yeah, the, well, Jay, the lens in which you look through things, mm-hmm. and if you yeah. have other people to talk to about it, is actually what it's about. Oh, all right, but, yeah, like yeah. twists every week. Every week. <laughs> hey, we'll make you feel better. Matt, we put you on the spot a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back when you were on the show for an interview about your book. But do you have a, a quick what has science done for you lately? Uh, yeah, I can't remember what I said last time, but um, we just got a new puppy a few weeks oh. ago, which is super awesome and exhausting and disgusting yes. in all sorts of different ways. <laughs> um, but uh, she got her shots. Yes. And so a couple of weeks ago, um, super worried about her biting a squirrel that might be rabid or picking up distemper at the park. Um, and now I'm not. And it's actually this kind of uh, visceral relief um, yeah. to just uh, be calm about it. Right. This little yeah. purple shot gets put in and all of a sudden you're like, OK, my puppy's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. We're going to keep going. Thank you. Yeah. And also it's your, your dog will be protected. Your puppy will be protected. Also protect other dogs and animals mm-hmm. around it. It's all part of that, that herd immunity. Yep. Oh, for anyone out there, if you have a, what has science done for me lately, please write me a note, leave it on our Facebook page, This Week in Science, leave us a message there, or send me an email, Kirsten, at thisweekinscience.com. And as you might have heard last week, you can also do it as a haiku. We've had sonnets and we've had songs. Be creative if you're feeling up to it. Wow. Yeah. And now, speaking of creativity, oh my goodness, I am going to hand this show over to Philip and Matt, there you go. It's all now. <laughs> oh, lead us, lead us into the world of what the if. All right. Well, I think we started off with chimeras, so it seems like we got to run with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mixing. So, what the if you mixed? Uh, you'll be able to say this better than I, uh, I can, more more properly scientifically. But what the if? If 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 you could. Put um, human and primate cells. Well, I guess you're putting human cells into a primate embryo. 
Is that that's what yeah, it was? So I think that's the, the current state of things, right? Is that we're sticking human cells into other animals. Um, and I think the, the, uh, the goal in all of this is to like get a monkey to grow a human pancreas. Right. Uh, and then we take the pancreas out and put it in a human, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's all about saving lives. Uh, but I suspect from what I know of humanity... Um, we're going to very quickly start doing the opposite and start taking animal genes and putting them in ourselves, right? Would that be good? Well, I guess this is this is the if, right? So, um, I don't know. What, what can your cat do that you wish you could do? Oh, I would love uh, uh, the genes for the tapeta, tapeta lucidum so that I could ah. see better at night. Oh, that's yeah. great. So that's a perfectly straightforward one, right? So that's yeah. this, this membrane that sits on the back of cat's eyes, and that's why they get that eerie reflection in low light. Um, and that seems like that should be a pretty straightforward thing to stick in, right? So I have, I have a vision one, too. Yeah. I want mantis shrimp eyes so I can see... What is it? 12 different kinds of color cones. So not even just I could get my actual okay. normal wow. color good, vision, right? but I want to see all the colors. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I already, I'm colorblind and I already felt inadequate about that. Yeah, that just so makes I. me, that's just incredibly pathetic. Wow. Um, that's amazing. But first, what's this? Here, here's, I'm really confused. I come at this from the really ignorant place. Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, Washington Square, SmackDown. Call the burn unit. Washington Square, one, <laughs> zero. Shots fired. Um, so uh, we really, that uh, we just became a morning uh, show for some reason. Uh, what, I, I, I really, I don't understand. So you have, I can, I can imagine a, um, a primate, Embryo, so a monkey embryo. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Maybe a particular. Mm-hmm. And okay, so there's that. And then you take some human. Are we talking stem cells? Stem cells. So sort of. Yep. Okay. Cells that can become anything. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. do you make that a pancreas? Or is it you? It's it's a little bit further along, so you know it's right. It's, so there there's a, a the, there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. So if you just put stem cells in the very early embryo, then you get an organism that grows with a smattering of human cells throughout itself. So you could have not so helpful. part part of the brain with some human nerve and Whoa. some some rat nerve, you know, a mixture or a monkey, you know, human monkey brain, human monkey heart, human monkey everything, uh, <laughs> all mixed up. Uh, or it, the situation could turn out that if you put it in a little bit later and you have something that is a more specific stem cell, like a stem cell for a liver or a pancreas or nervous tissue that it would specifically become that mm-hmm. and it would you're putting it you would put it in also at a stage you hope that it wouldn't be engulfed and rejected or eaten up by yeah. and it sounds like until embryo. until we do that until right now there's laws against it, it sounds like maybe china is letting people go further but until we mm-hmm. do that all the way through and let the monkey grow up we have no idea how adaptable you know, right. when, when we about. transplant human to human things, and, and I suppose with animals too, you transplant mm-hmm. an organ that's right. already within that species, it can be rejected. 
Yes. So, so if it's uh, with the there's the immune system issues of rejection, mm. but you're thinking if it's very, very early in this embryonic state, mm. it most likely won't be rejected by the immune system. It would just potentially be not enough of a force to Might not work right. Yeah. To, yeah mm-hmm. to, or to become dominant in a particular area of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, it's no fun to have, as you say, sort of cells spread out through the body, right? Because then you just get like a half rat person. Um, <laughs> and we get enough of those on the subway. So oh, you don't want right. that, right? Oh. You want you want a specific, you know, human liver inside an otherwise monkeyish monkey. So you can then take it out and use it for our own nefarious purposes, right? So I'm going to guess this is a long wait, no matter what, even if they're doing this now, this is, this is like an enormous amount of experimentation and knowledge that needs to be gained before we get to the point of like, oh, we can, we now have the right batch. We know how to mix the ingredients properly so that we get that pancreas that we want. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There is the the there are the specifics that are still needing to be worked out. Some of the interesting studies, though, that have worked are not in embryonic tissue, but in say mouse and rat brains. We have transplanted human cells into mouse human brain cells into mouse brains Whoa. while they're very young mm-hmm. to see what would happen. Well, what's going to happen to these human cells in the mouse brain? And lo and behold, they do just fine. They connect to other mouse brain cells. They do what brain cells do, except they have human genetic instructions in them. And there is a little bit of evidence from the behavioral tests Mm -hmm. on these mice that they are a little smarter, better, faster. (laughs) I don't know. Is that that kind of a dig on us as humans that our brain cells are essentially indistinguishable from those of mice? That's kind of a bummer. (laughs) And and if I'm not mistaken, and I might be, uh, one of the interesting things about it is when you put, when you put this uh, human stem cell in a location, it's you're putting it in a location that was to become an eye. For instance, mm-hmm. it still becomes an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put it in a location that was to become a liver. It still becomes a liver. So there is also signals from beyond what you're putting in that are telling it and instructing it what you're going to become. Mm-hmm. And then just to be clear, what happens is in order to get, we are harvesting organs, right? It's like, you, okay, now you want that pancreas, you have to take it out of that monkey and right. the monkey doesn't yeah. survive. Right, which is a whole other thing of, you know, other. how people are going to feel about that, which we could have a very long conversation about, well, you know, do you like modern medicine? Because mm-hmm. that happened at the downfall of various animals of various types, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it, but I do feel like there's a lot of people that would feel very itchy about that idea. Yeah, but I should say we're we're touching on some of that already. So, you know, I have a friend of mine who needed a heart valve replacement and he's got a pig valve in there now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but people eat pigs, so they're more okay with that. Oh, sure. As opposed to so monkey. So when you're talking about monkey pancreases, I feel mm-hmm. like some people are going to get really upset about that. Yeah, that's probably the monkeys. Yeah. That's why we need to start yeah. eating monkeys. So that way it'll make it <laughs> okay. so facto. Um, I think I like that's that. a problem already causing some issues. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is a little Ebola thing. There's they make it yeah. worse to get better. Um, so, okay. So, so now the big question is everyone wants to know what it, it we see. This seems to lead to some sort of sense of consciousness, even though that wasn't, I didn't really think of that until right now. It was in my subconscious. But uh, so the monkey 
or, or even stranger the, when you put the brain in you really get bizarre things so like that mouse or a bigger let's say a primate you put mm-hmm. human brains into a primate at some how many cells do you need we have no idea right does this monkey start to become se- more yeah. sick so, so the question, yeah. so yeah, does it become more sentient? So at what, at what state in our neurological development, our evolution, did we go, I'm human and suddenly start, you know, running around having language and mm-hmm. all that yeah, wonderful that's, stuff. That's right. This would let us answer a whole bunch of longstanding philosophical questions, right? So yes. yeah. we we'll get, we'll get a thousand mice and we put 10 brain cells in the first one and 20 in the second one and so on. Um, and then we find out how many human brain cells you need before the mouse becomes self-aware. Right. So we, we, can, may have already, yeah, well, we may have actually already done this. Uh, there is a genetically uh, bred mouse called the Doogie Hauser mouse. Oh, <laughs> what? This is what it's called. That was uh, that was uh, designed for greater intelligence uh, and managed to escape Stop. <laughs> and is in the wilds now at oh, this point. Uh, it's one of the very few lines of genetically altered mice to have escaped a, uh, a facility. Wow. And, and so Doogie Hauser mice are somewhere in nature right now as we yeah. speak with a higher than average yeah. amount of intelligence. Okay. Yeah. So so now I, I was so to keep it moving, what we do yeah. so we've we've and this is sort of a mini mini episode. So we've laid out some of the basic science and the questions here, right? So we go forward and now um we've got primates with probably a lot like we would want as many human organs in them as possible right well for transplantation purposes yeah um, you don't want to waste an an animal crop exactly yeah Yeah, that's right um uh the brain is just need to keep them uh non-human enough to still be able to harvest them. which is that question of like Mm -hmm. you have an axe you replace the the handle it's yeah. still the same axe. You replace yeah, the blade. Right. Is it still the same axe? There's this, yeah, the, the classic philosophical yeah. paradox is called the ship yeah. of Theseus paradox, yes. where you, well, yeah. you take a ship and then you remove one plank and put a new plank in, and then you take another plank out and you put the next plank in. At some, at what point does it become a new ship, right? You agree it is. Um, so, yeah, so at some point we've got a monkey that's going to be so human like that we would think of it as a human. Um, it seems to all come down to the brain, though, right? I mean, it's like if we left the monkey brain, just because it has all these human organs, we mm-hmm. would not expect it to, other than I, I think it, there is the fascinating idea that actually our consciousness comes from not just the brain, but like yeah. the uh, Im- idea know, of the, embodiment. Exactly. Yeah, right. So like, so right. the entire, the, um, the things that might control their hormones and things like that. Ooh, you might want to stay oh. away from that. Right. Yeah, that's um, right. Even potentially the, the gut, you might not want to mess mm-hmm. with the gut because the microbiome, you don't want to mess with that too much. Cause these are the things also that impact uh, a lot of our cognitive function. So one, th- one th- interesting thing that would, ha- could happen is that let's say they say, well, you listen, never touch the brain. As long as we don't do that, we're fine. But then it turns out that actually by changing, you get to a certain Everything number, else, yeah. percent, a certain percentage of the monkey has become made of human parts that it, for instance, can fire a gun. 
or <laughs> figure yep. out, you know, I mean, it can, it's it yeah. Planet of the Apes, right? Mm-hmm. Or it can use a keyboard and type yes. out Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that would be a big time saver if the monkeys could just type Shakespeare instead of the randomness. Jeez. I mean, right. we do, we do want uh, our pets to be able to speak, right? I mean, do we? <laughs> I, I think so. Well, you know, it's funny. One of my I cats, know. I would I would like to have a conversation with. The other one, definitely not. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of cats that would just be a constant, like, stream of swear words. Exactly. Right? Just profanity <laughs> nonstop. That'd be hilarious. There's a lot of dogs out there that would just be, hey, 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 <laughs> squirrel, hey, squirrel, hey, right? So I, I'm not sure. It's like Jeff Garland's wife. I forget her name on the uh, curb your enthusiasm but she's just constant like that Um, so so the speaking question is an interesting one right because you'd there's the of course an important part of speech is the brain but speech also involves uh the lips and the tongue and the shape of the larynx and the throat and the lungs um so uh would would it be possible to get a monkey to speak like a human without changing everything? In which case, you've just got a human head on top of a monkey. Mm-hmm. Right? So we did well, a that's, study that's what on I see the, in the show <laughs> where they were able to manipulate the larynx of a macaque, which is a monkey, ah, not right. an ape, where mm-hmm. the, he could say it, it didn't sound good. It sounded nightmarish and terrible. But he was able. They were get. They were able to manipulate this. Yeah, mm-hmm. this. Um, this monkey to say I love you or something like that. Oh, it's terrifying. Thing. It so sounded something they, like I love you. Yeah, so it's kind of a proof, proof of concept that the physical structure is present in the larynx and the throat for human speech of okay. some sort. All right. So in that case, I have not the slightest doubt that people will start making chimeric pets that can talk. Um, because yeah. it's such a it's such an obviously horrible thing that we have to do it. Yeah. Now, uh, 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 by the way, something we, worse though. It's 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 also once you can do it, mm-hmm. once you can do it, you would uh, because so many people uh, think of their own pets as their children, or are yeah. their children, or yeah. are their fans. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. If you had a child who, at the age of five, you had to make a decision, allow them to continue in their development. Or just not do anything and keep yeah, them a five-year-old okay. forever. Some people will think I'm stunting the growth and progression of my pet by not allowing this to take place, mm-hmm. right? or, or not having yeah, decided okay. this ahead of time. Well, they might be like inc- they might come across as incredibly enlightened. You know, they well, live <laughs> in the moment. Right. They're just like, hey, whatever, mm-hmm. man. Um, yeah. yeah. Other longstanding philosophical puzzles will get solved very rapidly. Once well, I think I think also oh, people will have oh. less pets because once your once your dog is telling you, hey, I want to smell your butt. Yeah. <laughs> like, now, now, let me smell your butt. Like it's saying this over and over. You need it's like, OK, I'm never no, see, it wouldn't. They would just do it. <laughs> they're not they're, only humans are like oh, i'm gonna tentatively do so the animals are just they just go for what they want um but uh, I, I must mention that uh, we had um alistair reynolds on uh one of the great uh, cool. living science fiction writers one of my favorites of all time mm-hmm. and uh yeah that was just unbelievable and so um in one of his stories i won't say which one so it's so it's not a spoiler alert but in one of his stories a, a um 
a man has his, did they figure out how to sort of, you know, take your consciousness and put it in other people or whatever. And this accident happens and this guy winds up with his mind inside a dog and he's trapped. So mm-hmm. he, he has all his ability to think, but he only has the dog body. So that kind of thing could happen too. The, 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 the animal might think, might feel that way at a certain mm-hmm. point, you know, um, but I have no, I mean, I certainly, I should say, speaking from the middle of Manhattan here, there are many people with lots of disposable income and obsessive pet tendencies right. uh, who will certainly make their chihuahuas as human as possible. Um, and the dog park will be a nonstop cacophony. Uh, <laughs> let me smell your butt. Let me smell your butt. Let me smell your butt. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I'm thinking dog therapists will actually have to do something. <laughs> right. You have to do some work. Uh, also, they will have to see a therapist because that's it. Also, also, think, also yeah. there'll be dogs. The dog therapist will be a dog. Hey, Did can... you smell his butt? <laughs> if I can pay How my therapist. smelling butts <laughs> make you feel? If I could pay my therapist in dog food, that would be fantastic. No, that's true. Um, that would be a big cost saver. Yeah. I tried it in the insurance. Just, they don't go for it. So um, uh, here's the thing. The unintended consequence of this, because there's a little bit of a science fiction thing. Uh, the unintended consequence, I believe, would be the, the ph- philosophical change. I think that the animals would, because they have completely different experiences, right? And completely different way of, uh, they're just uh, I mean, they're they're truly alien. They would present ideas to us in ways of being that I think could be good or bad. Well, but I think that would great. be the real mind blower. Yeah, I have a feeling yeah. it would be really judgy because we've we've only <laughs> we've only Judge judged Judy. our society through all of the the diversity of opinions and the widescape of ideologies. We've only really evaluated humanity from the perspective of humanity. Yeah. To so have someone outside, outside yeah, that can be, that be really good. shattering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's this famous philosophical essay by Tom Nagel called uh, What Is It Like to Be a Bat? And, and the sort of suggestion is that the experience of the world via echolocation is so different than what we get as human beings that even if a bat could talk, you could never have meaningful conversations with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I would love to know if that was true, right? If we could actually sit down with the mantis shrimp and say, okay, so tell me about all those other colors. Yeah. And the no. mantis shrimp is no like, way. I just can't do it, dude. Sorry. Or an, oc- an octopus. Yeah. I mean, would be amazing. I'd love to know. An octopus would be amazing. I'd also love to know just goldfish. How long <laughs> is their memory, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, about, how, about, how about little birds that are attacking their reflection in a mirror? Oh, man. Yeah. Who are you? Oh, yeah. yeah, being able to Why reason are you so mad? With animals would be really <laughs> helpful. Like being able to tell your dog that's freaking out about going to the vet. No, no but you no. feel badly. I want to make you feel better. Yeah. So you have to come with me. You're going to feel better. Or, you know, like or even I have elephants. to walk outside for hey. five minutes. I'll be back. It's okay. Yeah. Or like, good luck, though. I mean, that raising children, it's dangerous. Nope. Don't go over there. <laughs> People will try to kill you over there for your ivory. Stay over think, here. I do think the level. So if you're just getting the ability to speak. You're not increasing the comprehension level or the yeah. intelligence mm-hmm. level of the animals. That's the question. So we talk about dogs maybe having the equivalent intelligence level of what, like a, a three to five year old. So 
Mm-hmm. So t- think about trying to reason with a four-year-old about mm-hmm. going to the vet. Mm-hmm. But a, yeah. an- another You'll unintended... you a lollipop after. <laughs> <laughs> but another unintended consequence would be, isn't it, we, we, we believe that language is sort of like a, like a bomb that goes off. And suddenly this this feedback loop mm-hmm. of because you have language, now you can learn mm-hmm. more and then you can learn more. You right and do all this kind of stuff. Um, so would it increase their would it would right. it increase their well, intelligence? Right. Just and there's, because there's lots speaking. of mm-hmm. animals that have language that we've discovered or syntax uh-huh. or um, different uh, regional dialects. Mm-hmm. So right. there's right. there's there are some. Mm-hmm. So there's some brain spaces already carved out for some of this stuff. I tell you, it's going to be one thing that's going to be truly just horrifying is that they are animals. And, uh, uh, you know, Werner Herzog has a great line. Is, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like there are people who look and I'm doing a terrible accent. There are people who look at nature and think it's all beauty and peaceful and wonderful. I see strangulation and death and murder, you know, and Nature's so scary. They, I mean, yeah. talk about all the ills of humanity, you know, racism, hate, violence, greed. Uh, that would all exist. However, the positive thing, too, I mean, what poetry would your dog say to you it would right with the incredible amount of love they would have so mm-hmm. well and depending on what cows were able to say i suspect vegetarianism would become much more widespread than it is today perhaps or they're maybe well, really hateful maybe, maybe they're, they're really jerks right they're jerks like, yeah. like yeah. that's my feeling I, about I mean cows are responsible for many more deaths than sharks every year it's true. Yeah. It uh, true. Only a few more than uh, dogs. So, so here's the <laughs> here's the thing. Then, uh, if we're doing this unilaterally like, across the board, yeah, mm-hmm. we are now outnumbered. And, oh, yeah. and if, if right. anything, the animal kingdom would first begin to speak about would be the threat to all of them, yeah. to all of their their health and and safety and prosperity of the humans, right. And interestingly, we can't let this happen. Right. Yeah, they are like, awkward. that's like movie aliens, in fact, right? Aliens in movies always have a very simplistic, mm-hmm. animalistic kind of territorial mm-hmm. thing, whatever yeah. it is, just must kill. So, um, so but they're with, with the badgers. So, or, yeah. Suddenly, suddenly the animals come to us and say, you know, okay, we've decided we need to sit you down and talk <laughs> with you. Yeah. About this this climate change problem, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're really not doing sustainable things. Yeah, right. the frogs and, are and really. You're upset. gonna af- mm-hmm. you're affecting our ecosystem span. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah. I Do you would... really need your electronics that badly? Right. <laughs> Here, yeah, so but, but the question: the animals... Will they have an intervention for our civilization, or will they just destroy us utterly? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think they'd have an intervention for their civilization. I'd be like, I heard it you're working be... on um, terraforming other planets. Why don't you get going on that? Get the heck out of here. That's how hard We've already started the moon. You've yeah. got a deadline. Yeah. You need to be That's off yeah. by this date, or it's over. Actually. Yeah, Animals, this is up is the thing. The, the animals develop a space program because they learned the tardigrades were were uh, marooned on the moon, and they're like, um, you know, to rescue them. We got to go, or or they're hungry. They're like, they may be delicious, whatever. But yeah, or they send have them to lichen. Go. <laughs> <laughs> right, and unless right. we give like them all opposable thumbs, we're gonna have to do the majority of the work for them. Still, 
Well, that's a question, right? I mean, if the language thing is here's here's what I imagine, and and this is a, a more positive thing. Um, it's uh, would be like suddenly having all kinds of alien species suddenly here, because like let let's imagine that all the animals could speak, and you have a really wide spectrum of intelligence among them. It wouldn't just be like oh, they're animals, and so they are all that way and we're this way. There would be this crazy wide spectrum. And I do believe some of them would very likely be more intelligent or just have perspectives that we have not even ever been able to comprehend. So interesting question for everybody here. Yeah. The thing about your mate (laughs) that most attracts you to them. She might be watching. So is it their body (laughs) or their mind? (laughs) (laughs) Answers out loud, please. <laughs> are, are are we putting this feature into a monkey? Because that's going to get weird fast. Well, yeah, whoa, and then whoa, also no, no, Justin, what I'm saying, yeah, well, I, I, actually, I had the opposite, but this is interesting. You go first. <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> Looks I, dangerous. I, I the mind, right? You're going to say the mind. That, yeah, if a mind is the, the mind. thing that most attracts you to your partner, is the not who physically. they are and the way they think and talk, and not a physical attraction, you oh, could man. become attracted to a whale. Oh, no. oh, I am attracted to whales. Well, I mean, in a different way. Or, but, but, yeah, if but you're, you're creating, forgetting an you're element about, of attraction. We're talking about a sex chimera, though. That's maybe even a more interesting. Oh. A, a dog-level intelligence in something that has all of, and maybe multiple, maybe yeah. extra features. No, that, maybe that it would be. Consider it first. Just yeah. a platonic love yeah. <laughs> on the chimeras Be, because well, still, the thing about the alien world is that the, the alien world is is anybody can you know interact and talk and communicate and team up and do stuff but there's going to be attraction there's going to be a social side to having a a star trekian world or a mm-hmm. or a farscapian world where there's aliens of all different sorts and and you don't really necessarily know how compatible you're going to be until the real problem um, the space skirt is lifted. Right. This is a very like the colonist perspective of like I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna conquer it. You yep. know. Well, it's kind of I think I think there there's an element of this that you know you talk about attraction, but you we're all you know those of us that are in relationships. There's a long term attraction, and there's a there's a partnership side of attraction. And yes, all of us at this stage would say it's the brain, but it, any of those brains in uh, a, a package of a particular sort in the first couple of dates probably wouldn't have gotten there. And so there still is a physical element that is biologically important. We want to pick somebody that um, has physical traits that would mix wells with our, mix well with ours genetically. We mm-hmm. want them to smell similar, but not, but different. Right. We want them to have particular um, signals of evolutionary strength. So there's all this stuff there that actually is really important that would keep I would imagine most humans, I'm not going to say all, but most humans from being attracted to say. Oh, so Blair, if, I, think uh, that, I don't think that would be if, a bad thing. If, if, if yeah. you're, if you're the man who you're in love with had a third nipple, would you uh, have rejected him outright? What if he, would you have rejected him outright if he had a third nipple? No, but if he were okay, a third nipple, what if he had six nipples? <laughs> oh, you, you made a fine line. What if he had six nipples? 
Would you have said, no, I'm ending this relationship now. You have six nipples. I can't live with this. Perhaps. <laughs> but not a definite no. Okay. So back to two nipples. He's normal again. Oh, but he has a tail. Have you we now have a little tail. Tail. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, like, especially like, once you're more accustomed to a diverse species of potential mates. So like these lines stop being so clear. And I yeah, think I think I cool. think what we're talking about here is a as a chimera, right? How much of these animals we're right now we're talking about? Okay, the brain has been uh, chimerized enough that they can mm-hmm. speak. They have yeah. enough of that. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they they have the brain tissue to speak and to produce that speech. Um, but what else is has been chimerized? Is that it? Have we like we were talking about uh, the chimerization of various organs in the body? What other things we're talking about? How similar would when? Yeah, when does the animal become human? Mm-hmm. Become too human. Yep. And we have become officially too human. ended when up. Does it happen? Talking about. Bojack Horseman. <laughs> it is the Bojack. That. It is that yes. is where we now are. <laughs> What's Bo? What? I don't know about that. It is a Bojack? Netflix show where all uh, humans live on a in a world where there are also animals that are bipedal and speak oh. like humans, and it's just a normal society. And there are birds and horses and dogs and people there. all living together and having relationships and all this sort of. This oh. is exactly what we're talking about. That sounds really. But do those animals have completely? different ways of seeing the world because they're animals or is it just like a disney thing where they have they're they're just no it's more of like a i guess it's more of a disney thing where it's like they're they're pretty much just humans but they they look like bipedal animals i I think that what might happen you know we have for instance you can look at um um it's those our society is fortunately becoming more tolerant of things like gender fluidity right and i think that you would you could very likely have species fluidity <laughs> or you certainly would you would at you that would. point right? mm-hmm. they would literally be mm-hmm. mixed up and if it, um, if it were to go that far if it right. were if yeah. were to yeah well that's what we do with the f right we it's, just keep going until we're driven mad um by <laughs> but it animal. would go that far i mean if it can go that far humans will yeah. push it that far. well i should and say there, question- there's a sense in which this this if is actually making me kind of grateful we have some regulation on chimeral experiments um more than say an hour ago when i was thinking oh that's great that in china they get to do these things but i'm thinking maybe it's good that we're taking it easy and let's we'll, not forget we might just be able to 3d print these organs at some point yes sir. which so, would be a lot less messy right, we could right. 3d print them the the other possibility i mean there's do we have to uh, g- fully grow these organisms we have the development of the lamb bag now which mm-hmm. is like a fake womb to mm-hmm. grow uh for for growing babies human babies uh mm-hmm. who are potentially preterm that it can if they're right. substantially preterm that we would have these fake wombs that they could grow in we could be even growing chimeric animals or their the majority of their bodies for our organs in these lamb bag type structures the other issue though the reality of if we could do this it is if the but the reality is that um the genetics of all of this Mm. is where things don't work so much so as i as we said earlier a lot of the human cells didn't 
stick, like the chime, the human pig and the human cow chimeras, mm-hmm. there, there were, there were not really robust human cell populations in these animals. They were there, but they were not strong and they weren't taking over and they weren't really creating what you would call a more humanized organ or mm-hmm. a more humanized pig or cow. Um, How long have have we really been at this? A couple of decades. A million years. A couple of decades, time-wise, but also and the the number of people who are working or allowed to even work on this, you know, because the restrictions and everything like this is an unexplored avenue of science. So I I, the the success rate as it stands now, I say is meaningless until there would be an actual ability to put a big effort behind it. I don't think these regulations are gonna mean anything. I mean, it's becoming easier and easier for people to do things and um if you really want to know what it, I mean, it's not great, but like people are going to start to do these things. In the fifties, um, you could buy a monkey off the internet, oh, not the internet. You could mail order, you know, the back of magazines, you could mail order animals and like a, a monkey would show up at your house or wow. whatever. Unfortunately, there's lots of places you can still do that in America. You can still do this. So, hey, you're mail ordering your animals and you've got your DIY bio set up in your garage, your CRISPR kit. You're going to consider humanizing some of your animals in your backyard or at a certain point there is the regulation where does the regulation step in? Where does the regulation, how do we control where we're going? And when, and there is the question also of different uh, societies and what they see as okay. Whereas uh, Americans are very individual mm. focused. I need to do this. Uh, in China, it's more society focused. There is in terms of the communist perspective and the way that their entire society is ruled. It's better to they want to do this research and create these chimeras for the health of their whole society. Mm. A few people may die. A few animals may die, but it's kind of water under the bridge. Whereas in in the United States, even though we let people die all the time, we're like, no. Life, yeah. yeah. Well, and there's Each a whole side of animal live. cruelty, yes. which Americans get very focused on. Yeah. So that's that's something that could be a concern in a backyard or garage based. Yeah, um, I think experimentation so. yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. It's the like short term emotional the, things versus yeah, long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the question of uh, you know the global conversation of ethical aspects of what if we did this? How far mm-hmm. can we take this? Who's going to who's going to let it happen? And are different countries going to say China continues to allow it, say the United States rolls back regulations even further, keeping us from doing even stem cell research that we're Mm -hmm. doing right now? What's going to happen to our science? What's going to happen to our medical technology? What's going to happen to the industries? Where are they going to go? There's going to be some weird Dr. Zhivago out there. I mean, there has to be. There probably already is. Yeah. Well, just somebody who's doing these crazy things and then they're going to escape and something like that. Um, I must say, again, in the slightly more positive zone, I would say the, um, the last Jedi, uh, the, the most recent Star Wars movie had a beautiful theme of like, uh, companion. I think it was that one. It might have been the movie before. There was a beautiful theme of like companionship among 
every like every partnership or whether it's a relationship or just like Chewie and Han Solo, um, they were looking at that. And then there was a theme and, and, and Star Wars actually doesn't do science fiction that often, but there was this story of, I think it was Lando, young Lando, right? And he's in love with a robot. Yeah. Yeah. The robot. And then, um, her consciousness gets put somewhere. I don't want to give it away, but like all of these things is like, they really tried to investigate that. And uh, even the notion of attractiveness, like the robot was clearly not, you know? Um, So, you know, so the, the, there is a threshold though, that we have to keep in mind about giving intelligence to these animals uh, that doesn't require regulation. Which is that for every, I think it was every doubling of our uh, brain capacity as humans, it required a sixfold increase in blood. It's making it upping the, the exact numbers, but there was a, it, it came with a much larger blood flow to the brain to keep that organ alive. So it's not as simple as giving folds to a brain or allowing the morphology of the creature itself will massively come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some, some evidence that evolution required bipedalism. The, most, the largest brain, most intelligent dinosaur was bipedal. Uh, you know, the modern humans' bipedalness, uh, large brains may have come from having run and created this sort of blood pump of pushing uh, blood up through the body as we ran around on these fleshy feet that weren't meant for being in contact with the ground. So... So even if we do somehow genetically increase the brain capacity, if they're on low blood flow, they're not going to get that far. But we'll get there. They're, they're going to wear t- blood tanks. Right? Yeah, they're going <laughs> to be like, like going have- diving. Yeah. There's one other thing I have to say. I would be remiss if I did not mention. Language ability and intelligence are not the same. Ooh, this is right. a great point. Yes, yes and yes, there yes. are there are animals that are very, 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 very intelligent, and in some cases, potentially smarter than us at certain right. things. But right. because they can't speak with us about it, we don't always know about that, and we don't always assume mm-hmm. that. Okay. And just because they can talk, just giving them a language center that is capable of human speech, that doesn't necessarily make them smarter. And they no, but still it, it, might be really, really smart already. What, what you're saying is then the the sort of combining both of our ideas, you wouldn't be able to get the giant brain because of the blood flow and you wouldn't be able to have all the capacity. <laughs> blood but tanks. language ability is completely already present in a magnificent way in many animals. We would be in that scenario where we're talking about animals being able to communicate to us just animal thought. Yeah. Just yeah, animal conversation. And, yeah. that's, and, and that's that would kind of certainly science. there's like Science would change. Well, animals would be doing science. So many experiments we're doing. We're like, well, I wish I could do that experiment, but I can't just ask ask the animal what they're saying. Turns out we can. (laughs) And actually, the animals would start doing experiments and their ethics. You know, what are the ethics of animals? That would become a real Mm -hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Uh, How can I eat that? That's I feel like that's high on the list. <laughs> well, in fact, they would. Most they do eat us. They eat us anyway, and then they become now they're integrated into society, and you know. How do we eat that? Them. How do I wear that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, that's what I see on Instagram all the time. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's Already pretty much happening. it. That's like, like we've got, like we've really come that far. Yeah. We've come so far. How do I we, ride that? See, this is like mm-hmm. we 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 like to think that we are so far advanced over the rest of the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. Are we? Well, we would continue to. I, I I trust we would maintain that attitude no matter what. No matter. In if the face of any language. Yeah. They, I think they might be smarter than us already. Yeah. Their movies would be amazing. (laughs) Their movies would be amazing. They would scam us out of all of our money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. They would outcompete us for all sorts of resources. So, uh, a question for the scientists Um, Is it, I'm not quite clear on how far we're away from, is it that by using animal or by doing this whole thing, by using actual animals sort of like uh, using already existing natural creatures to do things with us, um, is that still way easier for us? It's sort of like mixing software and wetware, whatever, mixing wetware and things versus building, you know, using create, we can create DNA, we can create creatures, I assume, but, but, it sounds like we're much further away from that ability yeah. to create creatures from scratch versus just mess around with these uh, yeah. plug yeah. and play yeah. parts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still in the, you know, our synthetic biology uh, abilities are still fairly basic and they're, they're advancing incredibly rapidly, but yeah, we are still just, we can maybe make a little bacteria. We're not at the point where we're like, Hey, grow a person. You know, we can't, we can't do that. Uh, we're, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think, I think if limited. I could take your question and I could tweak it just slightly, mm-hmm. yeah. my question would be, um, which is more worthwhile in uh, in looking at making chimeras or genetic editing? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think that's more, both of those are, are moving pretty quickly. It sounds to me like genetic editing is a lot. It is, it is at the same time sounds easier and more achievable, but also is more dangerous because in these chimeras, it, I would assume they're going to have a really tough time reproducing because they won't have a complete genome that will complement another individual's necessarily. So it's going to be hard to continue that genetic line. So if you make a chimera and it doesn't work out and you're like, uh oh, then that's kind of the end of the line. But if you do genetic editing, there's an opportunity to pass that along. So there is actually an added danger of that getting out and changing the landscape. So I think even though genetic editing editing might make more sense and be easier at this point to isolate specific things you want to change, it also is kind of higher risk. It's higher risk unless unless you're in a family. It, and yeah. It's higher risk unless you're in a family that has had a genetically inherited disease that's devastated your family and been like the curse on the family for generations going back. Um, if there's if there's something within your genetic line that your parents and grandparents, great grandparents have had, maybe different diseases on both sides that maybe you have or haven't inherited, but maybe your kids did or whatever, then the idea of gene editing isn't this big risk to society in your mind it is how my family survives and so so that's and that's who's going to be making the decision ultimately on whether or not to do gene editing is is people who are facing things like a congenital disease 
I mean, that's that's what we're looking at most likely. I mean, there's the, you know, next step, the Gattaca um, aspect of, hey, mm-hmm. you're not tall enough, pretty enough, smart enough, whatever. We have to fix that or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to make it. We have to make sure that we edit those genes before your child's born to give you that extra edge. And there's all sorts of science fiction out uh, in uh, looking at those possible futures of how that would work out. But I think what we need to look at these systems as they're tools, gene editing, it's a tool. And the chimera process, it's also a tool. And these tools can be used for multiple different purposes. And so for research purposes, developmental biologists are like, oh my gosh, I can use gene editing to tweak things and see what happens when the tweaks happen. Oh, I can use chimeras to see how these cells develop in this organism where it's not a human because I couldn't use a human for this research. So oh, I can see how this, how this, uh, the brain grows through Drug this test. stage Drug of development. Or, on, yeah. On human yeah, organs can, in the chimera. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could, we could do all sorts of things with chimeras that we can't do with humans and we don't have other platforms. So we're using organoids, we're growing these little balls of cells to be these little tiny brains or little tiny multiple cell type little or little little balls that we can do but they're not the same as a whole organ they're not the same as a living organism and so so they're all different tools for different purposes and yes they can be taken to those sci-fi dystopia extremes or they can be like hey we're gonna learn a lot of really cool stuff or sci-fi utopia we could design an organism uh with intelligence that could communicate that could survive better in space like the tardigrade we ultimately, and knowing that humans are never, look, face it, humans are never going to have a good run on Mars. But could we design a life form that is intelligent <laughs> that could? No, we could design could ourselves be, to be better. Yeah. Well, well, you call it ourselves, but it won't be us. Once it's once it's that different, it won't be us anymore. But could we design an organism, a an offshoot of humanity, a new human, if you like? Uh, that could survive perfectly well on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. That would be yeah. a really or, good choice. Or, to, or, to, to, or to in the depths of space. Long, yeah. Philip wants to say. I, I have, I have a, a, fi- a, a final thing, final question, which mm-hmm. is um, how it, it sounds like to solve the. Uh, I don't take it at face value, even though it makes me very squeamish. Of, for instance, going back right to the original story, what the experiments that this scientist is doing in China makes me squeamish. But how do we actually begin to get some answers so that we can actually say if this is ethical or not? Or, or is there a way to bridge? Have we ever done that? Have we ever faced this kind of thing before? We have, uh, we uh, yes, I mean, with, with CRISPR, when it Christ, CRISPR mm. came out, uh, the conversation, there had already been other gene editors, but with CRISPR, it was, it, people realized that what it was going to be as a tool fairly quickly, and so the international community started convening, and they have mm. conversations. The scientists get together with at conferences and talk about what they want to do, what they are doing. Regulators and policymakers come in also. Um, organizations like AAAS, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, will invite people and convene them for conversations. And uh, the National Academy of Sciences will put out white papers on these topics. And so there are there are these conversations constantly ongoing when 
people realize it's going to be something that we should be talking about. Yeah. It seems uh, like it all boils down to the sense, what is consciousness? That that might be an interesting spinoff from this whole question. That isn't what the experiments are about. But like to answer, right. Right, that's what it comes down to. Is pain... That's what is we're it, afraid of. Right. Conscious, human conscious monkeys. That's mm -hmm. what or, we're I guess I, I, I mean, uh, coming to understand how much consciousness... You know, at, at what point is it okay to do strange things and what point is it not? Mm -hmm. We have no idea. We don't know because we yep. literally exactly. don't know. Are they feeling pain? Are they distressed? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so, the, but then you could come up with the, that reverse ethic where you're like, okay, the brunt of the research is going to be to make cows that do not have anxiety or pain. Yeah. So zombies. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they're like you could go that other, and then you eventually end up with the pig who's telling you what the good cut of meat is. Yeah, you get psych uh, you got psychopaths. Year. You now mm -hmm. you have psychopaths because <laughs> yeah, they're psych yeah, total, completely psychopathic cows, as right. if they weren't already. Yeah. No. Animals without anxiety—that <laughs> would be like the most dangerous thing. That would. I mean, they would all die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then, this, so, so there we were had some conversation too about the um, sort of editing of of, of a trait of beauty, uh, right? Like we would we like we would be doing this sort of editing for a profession. You you want to edit uh, your next generation to be good, really good at information handling before the next level of quantum computers, in which be, it becomes totally irrelevant that level of computing power they have and whatever the trade-offs were so that then there's a risk factor in attempting to predict what the future will need from your children or what the perception of beauty will be because at some point once everybody has figured out what this ideal beauty of uh, is and then and then the one person who wasn't edited who has a you know a, a face that is not completely uniform on both sides becomes the ideal of beauty because they are so rare in society and nobody else has ever seen this. You're before. describing that episode of the Twilight Zone where everyone has the pig face. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so uh, there is a danger if uh, if we're doing this predictive uh, thing on what's mm -hmm. going to be uh, good for society. Right. But I, I think yeah. if you take it down again, back it all back to the basis of thinking of it as. Uh, a a vaccination, which we all agreed was a good thing. Hmm, that's cool. If yeah. we're using gene editing in an effort to vaccinate uh, the genome against hereditary disease, I think that will be the, you know, it, it's both the argument of anything that you say that is for the protection of your children, people can agree with, even if it's been couched, you know, even if that's only being used as a ruse to get people to buy in. Uh, that is the thing that will cause the buy-in to this eventually. Is and that your with next generation? It'll be the protection of your pets, yes. your pet yep. children. That's right. Yeah. So to wrap it up, the, the when, we, when we wrap up the if, I like to uh, say what what have we wrought? What and that is simply by the by having experienced this extrapolation and this experiment. And for me, it, I, I I look to what. What can I be grateful for? <laughs> and that is perhaps that what I thought was a very complicated world is not that complicated <laughs> compared to the way it could be. And that maybe we can actually be grateful for not knowing a lot. I, I want to know all these things, but the road between here and there is going to be extremely chaotic. Yeah. yeah. 
What the if? What the <laughs> if? Can I get everybody to say the name? This is what you know at the very end of our show, which is this is not the end of our show. At the end of the at, in the end oh, of the we call out. Yeah. But we we look into the future and we have no idea what our next what the if would be. There are so many possible ifs. Um and so we scream together the name of our show. Like what? <laughs> what? The oh. if. Exactly. Where was that feedback now? <laughs> That's right. I so much feedback. So much fun. Oh my goodness. Thank you for running us through the if. We do love the speculation. It's so fun. And to be able to come from one of the stories and spend some time really going, what? What it what? Let's think about this a little more. Yep, exactly. I'm always so amazed where we wind fun. up. We, you know, we've we've yeah. now visualized things that we would have never realized. Yeah, and what's what's really incredible different this people's is like, perspectives too. Uh, mm -hmm. I now mm -hmm. realize that there is this spinoff of every story we do that yep. could be a what the if. <laughs> that oh we continue. no! What have we done? This is why we scream. This that is was why we scream. One, that was just one story. Yeah. We'll see you next week for our show that is so six stories. hours we long. We got there's so many stories that come across the, the, the table here. And any one of them could be a whole uh, episode uh, I know. of... We never, we didn't even oh. get to the, the stomach of the starfish for this. Yeah, that's right. So maybe yeah. this is, yeah, this is something that Justin can just have a separate released content where he just waxes about <laughs> all of the stories. Scenario. Sure. scenarios that's right <laughs> we have come to the end of our show thank you philip and matt for bringing the what the if podcast to this week in science thank you so much thanks for having us this was a really great yeah huge i mean to get being being able to do this with all of you guys was fabulous so, so much, fun. much fun yeah, yeah we'll have to make this a we'll make this maybe a thing we do on occasion sure. because it's too much fun Everyone who is watching, thank you so much for joining us live. I would love to say thank you to Fada for helping out with our show notes, also our chat room and social media. Gord for helping in the chat room, the main chat room, making that thing go. Identity 4 for recording the show so that I can have more of the adios. Yes, thank you so much. And I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon sponsors. Thank you to Paul Disney, Richard Onimus, Ed Dyer, Stuart Pollock, Philip Shane, Ken Hayes, Harrison, Harrison Prather, Charlene Henry, Joshua Fury, Steve DeBell, Alex Wilson, Tony Steele, Craig Landon, Mark Mazaros, Jack Hall, Matthew Litwin, Jason Roberts, Bill Kersey, Bob Calder, Patrick Cohn, Eric Knapp, Richard Hendricks, Brian Condren, Dave Neighbor, Aiden Jeff, John Bertram, Mountain Sloth, Seth O'Gradney, Steve Alberon, John, John Ratnaswamy, Dave Friedel, Daryl Myshak, Andrew Swanson, Paul Ronovich, Corinne Benton, Sue Doster, Dave Wilkinson, Ben Bignell, Richard Port Porter, Paris Anthony, Kevin Reardon, Christoph Zuknarek, Ashish Pants, Ulysses Adkins, Sarah Chavis, Artyom Diochev, Artyom, Clifford Ramis, Paul Sampson, John McKee, John Olds, Jason Olds, Brian Carrington, Christopher Dreyer, Lisa Slazuski, Jim Drapeau, Greg Riley, Sean Lamb, Ben Rothig, Steve Leisman, Kurt Larson, Rudy Garcia, Marjorie Cohen, Gary Swinsberg, Robert Coburn, Greg, Briggs, Greg Briggs, Brendan Minish, Christopher Rappin, Flying Out, Aaron Luthen, Matt Sutter, Mark Hessenflow, Kevin Parachan, Byron Lee, and EO. 
Thank you for your support on Patreon. And for anyone out there who is interested in how they too, you too, can become a Patreon supporter, you can find a link at twist.org. On next week's show, we will be broadcasting live online at 8 p.m. Pacific time at twist.org slash life and also at our YouTube channel. You can watch and join our chat rooms there. But if you can't do that, don't worry because everything's archived and saved for later. And there's also a podcast. You can also find all those wonderful episodes at twist.org. Thank you for enjoying the show. Uh, if you're interested, just Google This Week in Science anywhere in iTunes or Google it in Google, for that matter. Uh, and seeing as you are listening now, just keep coming back to however you found it this time. For more information on anything you've heard here today, show notes will be available on our website. That's at www.twist.org. That's T-W-I-S, as in this week in science.org, where you can also make comments and start conversations with the host. That's us. Or other listeners. That's all or, of you. That's all of you. But if you don't want to talk to all of them, you can contact us directly. Email Kirsten at Kirsten at thisweekinscience.com, Justin at twistminion at gmail.com, or Blair at blairbaz at twist.org. Just be sure to put twist TWIS somewhere in the subject line. Otherwise, what will happen, Blair? Oh, I do believe your email might be spam filtered into oblivion. It most definitely will. Or you can also just uh, hit us on the Twitter where we are at Twist Science, at Dr. Kiki, at Jackson Fly, and at Blair's Menagerie. We love your feedback. If there's a topic you would like us to cover or address, a suggestion for an interview, a haiku that comes to you in the night, please let us know. We'll be back here next week, and we hope you'll join us again for more great science news. And, and I want to say, wait, I just want to say also, if you want to find the What the If podcast, oh, yeah. where do we find you? At, on Twitter at What the If Show. And uh, our website is whattheif.com. And uh, we also, we you can submit your own uh, ideas to be ifed. Yeah. Uh, we have some amazing guests. Whatever also. you want to change about reality. Yep. We have some amazing guests coming up. And by the way, everyone who has their idea, if if it becomes part of the show, you get a finger puppet Ooh. of a great scientist or science fiction character. I love it. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. And if you've learned anything from what the if, remember. <laughs> it's all in your head. <laughs> this week in science. This week in science. This week in science. This week in science, it's the end of the world. So I'm setting up shop, got my banner unfurled. It says the scientist is in, I'm gonna sell my advice. Show them how to stop the robots with a simple device. I'll reverse global warming with a wave of my hand. And all it'll cost you is a couple of grand. Science is coming your way So everybody listen to what I say I use the scientific method for all that it's worth And I'll broadcast my opinion all over the earth
Cause it's This Week in Science This Week in Science This Week in Science 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 This Week in Science This Week in Science This Week in Science 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 I've got one disclaimer and it shouldn't be news That what I say may not represent your views But I've done the calculations and I've got a plan If you listen to the science you may just yet understand That we're not trying to threaten your philosophy We're just trying to save the world from Jeopardy Jeopardy, Jeopardy. And this week in science is coming your way So everybody listen to everything we say And if you use our method instead of rolling a die We may rid the world of Toxoplasma It's this week in science. This week in science. This week in science. 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 This week in science. This week in science. This week in science. 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 Got a laundry list of items I want to address From stopping global hunger to dredging Loch Ness I'm trying to promote more rational thought And I'll try to answer any question you've got So how can I ever see the changes I seek When I can only set up shop one hour a week This week in science is coming your way Better just listen to what we say And if you've learned anything from the words that we've said Then please just remember it's all in your head Cause it's this week in science This week in science This week in science Science, 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 science. This week in science This week in science This week in science Science, 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 science. This week in science This week in science this week in science, this week in science, this week in science, this week in science, this week in science.